Welcome to the Hypnosis Near Me podcast. My name is Xanadu Artemis. I am a certified hypnotherapist and rapid transformational therapy practitioner. Thank you for joining me. For those of you that know, know, I've had to take a brief unexpected hiatus, but I am back now to finish what we started. I will actually be extending this primer to two episodes. Reason being, I had a ton of feedback and many of you felt that I should elaborate on certain things, which is what I'm going to do. And therefore, we will touch upon techniques towards the end. But I do want to clarify several of the topics that, according to many of you, were not clearly elaborated upon, <laughs> which is fine. I did ask for feedback. Be careful what you ask for, you just might get it. <laughs> many of you uh, were sort of left in limbo with regard to suggestibility. I am going to give you a lot of information on suggestibility and how to understand your own suggestibility. Although some differ on the opinion whether or not you actually need to know your suggestibility type in order to do self-hypnosis. And we'll go into that. We will also be discussing alpha and theta brainwave states. How to effectively induce these states, what are they, and so forth. Towards the end of this episode, we will be touching upon techniques. We may not have time to cover everything, but we can start on breathing techniques and different types of inductions. And if we have any time left, we will go into Q&A. A lot of feedback and a lot of questions came my way, so I'd like to answer some of them on the podcast. And of course, there will be a caveat here or there, as usual. A little bit of clowning around. Can't take life all that seriously. <laughs> Gotta have fun with self-hypnosis. So let's get started right now. Many of you were curious about learning more about your own suggestibility and where to take this suggestibility test. If you do not know your suggestibility type, you will do yourself a great service and take the suggestibility test so that you can begin to develop a sort of rapport with your subconscious mind. Dr. John Kappas was an American psychologist sexologist, and one of the greatest hypnotists of our time. He is best known for his theory on suggestibility types. Dr. Kappas believed that individuals could be classified into four basic suggestibility types based on their responsiveness to hypnotic suggestions. These types are somnambulistic, ideodynamic, cognitive, and resistant. The last three were renamed at one point, 
Not sure when, but they were. So the ideodynamic became the phys, or the physical. Cognitive became the emotional, or emo. And the resistant became the intellectual. Now let's go into detail. The first type, the somnambulist. This type is characterized by a high degree of responsiveness to hypnotic suggestions and a strong ability to enter into a state of hypnosis with very little effort. These types of individuals have certain characteristics that are effortlessly detected by a trained hypnotist, which is why the somnambulist is so easily plucked out of an audience by stage hypnotists. The second type, ideodynamic, later referred to as the phys or the physical, this refers to individuals who are less suggestible than the somnambulists, but still responsive to hypnotic suggestions. This type is characterized by a moderate level of responsiveness to hypnotic suggestions and a moderate ability to enter into a state of hypnosis. The third type, the cognitive, later referred to as the emo or the emotional, this refers to individuals who are less responsive to hypnotic suggestion than the phys or the somnambulist, but they can still benefit from hypnosis in other ways. This type, although characterized by a low level of responsiveness to hypnotic suggestions, has a strong ability to utilize hypnotic techniques for self-improvement and personal growth. This type has a keen ability to use self-hypnosis to create massive, profound change in their lives. Number four, the resistant, later referred to as the intellectual. Now again, this person, this individual is by no means intellectually superior. On the contrary, they tend to overanalyze everything. And this is possibly why they have such a difficult time going into trance. Some of them cannot be hypnotized at all by hypnotists that are not trained to handle the unique needs or requirements of the intellectual. This type is characterized by a low level of responsiveness to hypnotic suggestions, and they lack any ability whatsoever to enter into a hypnotic state but this type of individual will fight you on anything. Even if they're doing self-hypnosis, they'll fight with themselves. Fortunately, there is some hope for the intellectual. Dr. Kappas developed methods to work with each and every single one of these different types, including even the most stubborn, resistant intellectual. So there you have it, the four suggestibility types, according to Dr. John Kappas. Which type are you? Do yourself a favor and find out. You can find a link to Dr. Kappas' suggestibility test by visiting the FAQ section of my website. The URL is on the description of this podcast, or you can just point your browser to hypnosis-near.me. HTTPS, of course, because it is a secure site. Now, on the FAQ section, you will see there a Hypnosis Near Me podcast link roll. That was a suggestion that someone made. 
which I think it's actually very good advice because I will be giving a lot of links. On the link roll, you will find two different types of tests right now that are Dr. Kappas's sexuality test and the suggestibility test. You want to take the suggestibility test. Notice, you are welcome to take Dr. Kappas's sexuality test at any time. Just be aware that it has nothing to do with self-hypnosis. Dr. Kappas's sexuality test deals with behavior patterns, and it is a subject which we will cover in a future episode. Do you have to know your own suggestibility type in order to achieve self-hypnosis? Of course not. There are a lot of people in this world that practice self-hypnosis without even being aware that there is such a thing as a suggestibility type. But in my opinion, knowing your own suggestibility can benefit you in more ways than one. And I also believe, that, and this is my personal belief, is that by knowing your own suggestibility, you can safeguard yourself from any sort of unwanted conditioning. The hard reality is that we are constantly being bombarded with suggestions. Whether it's from television, social media, billboards, radio, you know, your subconscious mind takes in everything. If you are a somnambulist, well, then you are one of those individuals that is highly, highly suggestible and very easy to hypnotize. So this happens to somnambulists a lot. Somnambulists will walk into a department store or a grocery store with the intention of just buying one or two things. <laughs> and they walk out with a shopping cart full of stuff that they don't even need. So the somnambulist gets home and has to deal with the spouse, asking questions like, why did you buy all this stuff? And there's no answer. The somnambulist has no answer. But I'll tell you what's happening. You see, retailers know exactly what they're doing. They're preying on the somnambulist. They prey on people that are highly suggestible. Hypnosis is a very ancient practice. It's been used since the beginning of time for mostly for good causes, but it's also been used by the most unscrupulous charlatans, dictators like Hitler. Well, he knew very well who the somnambulists were in the audience. <laughs> and look what he did. It's been used by politicians, by religious leaders, cult leaders, and it's being used in everyday media. And what about the evangelicals? Do you ever wonder how they managed to get so many people to send in their money? Think about it. So for this and possibly hundreds of other reasons, it behooves you, it behooves you to, to know your suggestibility type. So go right ahead and take your suggestibility test and Start taking back some of your power right now. So this is the idea. To create suggestions for yourself according to your suggestibility type so that they take root using inductions that are more compatible with your suggestibility type. And also deepeners. You gotta deepen yourself 
And we'll go into all of these techniques once we get through all of these topics, which many of you felt I did not explain enough in detail. <laughs> so moving right along, we are going to discuss brainwave states, namely alpha and theta brainwave states. I mentioned it. I mentioned it in the previous episode. Briefly, briefly mentioned it. It was like sort of just a, a flicker. And many of you messaged me wanting to hear more information on this and why it's important to the hypnotic state and to self-hypnosis. So alpha brainwaves, let's start with that. Alpha brainwaves are electrical oscillations in the brain that have a frequency between 8 and 12 hertz. They are typically associated with a relaxed and calm state of mind, and they are often observed during states of meditation, daydreaming, hypnosis, and light sleep. Inducing alpha brainwaves can have several benefits, such as improving focus and creativity, reducing anxiety and stress, and promoting overall mental well-being. There are several ways to induce alpha brainwaves. The five most common ways to induce alpha brainwaves are meditation, deep breathing, yoga, nature walks, and binaural beats. Now, theta brainwaves, these are a bit deeper. Theta brainwaves are a type of neural oscillation that are characterized by their frequency, which typically falls in the range of four to seven cycles per second, or four to seven hertz. Their amplitude is generally low. Theta brainwaves are often associated with a deeply relaxed meditative state bordering on drowsiness, and they are also observed during REM sleep. Theta waves are generated by the thalamus and hippocampus regions of the brain and are believed to play a role in a range of cognitive and emotional functions, including memory, consolidation, creativity, and emotional processing. Some research suggests that people with high levels of theta waves tend to have greater creativity, increased access to unconscious material, and greater feelings of empathy. Theta waves are often induced through practices like meditation, hypnosis, and biofeedback, and can also be stimulated through physical exercise or by listening to certain types of music. While further research is still needed to fully understand the role of theta waves in the brain, they are thought to be an important component of the brain's overall electrical activity and may hold promise for therapeutic interventions in the future. Theta brain waves are often associated with deep relaxation, creativity, and heightened intuition. Listen to that, heightened intuition. There are several ways to induce theta brain waves, including meditation, binaural beats, yoga, guided imagery, and exercise. <laughs> Did you hear that? Exercise. Regular exercise can help increase the production of theta waves. Aim for at least 30 minutes of moderate intensity exercise each day to improve your brainwave activity. It is important to note that inducing theta brainwaves may not be suitable for everyone, especially for those with certain medical conditions. 
It's always best to consult with a healthcare professional before trying any new techniques. I want to touch upon something that I think it's important for you to know. There are many hypnotherapists out there that do not believe synambulists should do self-hypnosis because the synambulist is far too suggestible and they risk giving themselves the wrong suggestions or getting stuck in hypnosis or just making it worse. I do not give any such advice. I am not here to tell anyone what to do. You are going to do whatever you want to do and nobody's going to stop you. So my job is to at least teach you how to do it properly and to make sure you have all of the tools you need to do it successfully and to ensure that you do not get stuck in hypnosis. Which reminds me the final subject that uh, needs some clarification. Getting stuck in hypnosis. That really freaked some of you out. <laughs> it wasn't my intention. I was just being honest. Because it's the truth. A lot of people are just going through life in this sort of trance. I want to reiterate the importance of counting yourself out of trance. And your trance state doesn't necessarily have to be only when you're doing self-hypnosis. Of course, you should always count yourself up and out of trance. But also, if you find yourself having one of those foggy days, maybe you're going in circles, Maybe you're driving past the exit one too many times. You're losing your keys. You feel disorganized, disoriented. You should count yourself out. There's a longer format and there's the shorter format of counting yourself out. The longer format is, of course, most suitable when you are counting yourself out of hypnosis after you've completed your self-hypnosis session. And that goes something like this. In a moment, I am going to count myself out of this wonderful, relaxing, trance-like state. Starting from zero, counting up to five, And when I say five, I will open my eyes and I will be wide awake, completely alert, feeling fabulous, refreshed, wide awake to a non-suggestible state. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, Wide awake. Eyes open. Wide awake. Now you can modify this according to your own personal needs. You may want to feel confident or calm and relaxed. Always in the positive, of course. Always stay in the positive. Because what you don't want is not important. 
what's important is what you do want. So stick to that. You want to feel confident. You want to feel energized. You want to feel alert. Always stay in the positive. You also, you want to think carefully about how you're crafting these suggestions. Because, for example, if you're using self-hypnosis for sleep or to improve your sleep, then giving yourself the suggestion to open your eyes, be wide awake, fully alert, (laughs) it's probably not the best thing to do. And then there's the short format. The short format is very simple. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, eyes open, wide awake. I am wide awake. That's it. A lot of people have asked me, what, why do we have to count? It's just something about the brain. The brain loves numbers. Somehow the brain will latch on to anything with numbers. It's, it's all math. I mean, the brain is a computer. God was a mathematician. Maybe that has something to do with it. Well, we made it. We are now going to begin discussing techniques. We won't have a whole lot of time, but at least we can get started. I love beginnings, don't you? (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about induction techniques. I think it will be a good idea for me to give you an idea of induction techniques in relation to heterohypnosis. This way you will be able to apply induction techniques that are more suitable for your suggestibility type and you will understand how they work and how those techniques can be sort of adjusted to self-hypnosis. So we already know that hypnosis is a state of mind where a person's attention is highly focused and the body is relaxed. So when you are in in an absolutely relaxed state, you are more open to suggestions and your brain is at its most creative. So this will allow you to create hypnosis for a variety of purposes from improving mental health to lowering your stress, giving you a general feeling of well-being, happiness, joy, whatever it is that you want to do. How do you actually do a a self-induction? Because when you go to a hypnotist, you just lay in that wonderful hypnosis chair and you follow the lead. Well, in this case, you have to be your own hypnotist. And in all fairness, we are all our own best therapists. So let me describe a few techniques and how they're used in heterohypnosis. My favorite, or one of my favorite ones, is the eye fascination, also called the eye fixation. This one is uh, it's one of the most popular ones and, and the most widely used in hypnosis. The technique involves asking the person being hypnotized to focus their eyes on a fixed point such as a spot on the wall or a pen or something or some shiny object. As the person continues to focus on the fixed point, their body will naturally relax and their mind will become more open to suggestion. When you're doing the eye fascination, it's very important to do two things. Number one, to take deep breaths. 
You should do breathing with all induction techniques. Breathing itself is an induction technique, and we'll get into that later, but whatever induction technique you choose to do, breathing is fundamental to getting it to work. Don't forget to remember to breathe. And you want to take those long, deep breaths, okay? Very deep breaths into the diaphragm and release them slowly. Release the breath slower than you took it in. And you want to do that three times at least with eye fascination. The next technique is the progressive relaxation technique. This involves asking the person to tense and relax different muscle groups throughout their body, starting with their toes and working their way up to their head. As the person relaxes their muscles, they will also relax the mind. I like to recommend this muscle tightening and releasing method to people that have a hard time sleeping. Not only does the physical body relax almost instantly, but sleep comes upon them much, much quicker. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this second part. This is actually the second part of the primer. The following episodes will be three, four, and five, and we will just be going straight into details, techniques, methods. I think you've learned everything, well, possibly not everything, but most of what you need to know in order to make your self-hypnosis journey a success. And as always, you should use precaution. I always advise my clients to check with their doctors if they have any sort of medical condition. Always check with your doctor to see if self-hypnosis is something that is suitable for you. I would also like to thank all of you for your continuing support. I am very, very grateful. And again, I am open to your suggestions. (laughs) Literally open to your suggestions. Your feedback is more than welcome. And as you can see, I listen. I'm a very good listener. You are welcome to visit my website for more information on how to book a session with me. Or if you want a customized audio, I am more than happy to do that for you. So until next time, it will be rather quick. This time it will be rather quick. I won't make you wait. I promise. So check back in a couple of days for the next episode. Until then, stay tuned. As you're all well aware, I am not a doctor or a licensed physician of any sort. I am a certified hypnotherapist. Therefore, the information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
All content, including audio, any downloaded material and so forth, information contained on or available on this podcast is for general information purposes only. The channel makes no representations and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of information on or available through this podcast, and such information is subject to change without notice. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from or through this podcast with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. Also, I do not recommend that you listen to this podcast during the hypnotic sessions while driving or operating heavy machinery.